Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Williams. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. Remember, you can also send me a tweet to E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Williams. Let us engage. It is politics done right. One, two, three, four. Well, folks, well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for spending this one hour with me on a Saturday afternoon, right afternoon. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Donald Trump and this new war with Syria or war on Syria or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it is frustrating to watch the media and their current reaction to Donald Trump becoming presidential now that he has sent 59 missiles into Syria. Now, I want to ask you guys one specific question. Why is it that war makes someone presidential when the suffering of millions of people over the years, over his few months in office, didn't, uh, did, he, he did very little to support them. How is he looking presidential now when he denied the same people that he claims to care about and he's claiming to defend by sending these missiles, somehow presidential when he's attempting to inflict damage? And by the way, the people who uh, landed or, or threw out the sarin gas or whatever it is that they use there, I'm sure they weren't at that air base. Yet it was the airbase that got targeted. So if there are folks who died at the airbase, it is likely that they had nothing to do with what occurred in Syria when these people killed innocent children. So let's be clear here. Let's really be clear. There is nothing, there is absolutely nothing presidential about sending bombs into some other country because they've done wrong or, or, or whatever else. That's not what defines presidential. Now, it's interesting, and I, before I get into the topic, I want to just put a, a little thing over the top here. Remember that um, during that time when uh, Syria, again, used uh, some sort of a poison gas, and Obama drew a line and said, if they did something again, uh, I guess the United States would act. And in effect, the president didn't act when they, President Obama, that is, didn't act when they put out sarin gas. A lot of people complained and said he was weak, he was unpresidential, and all the other things that you hear placed on President Obama when he doesn't act the way somehow the right believes he should act. What is interesting is, yes, President Obama put out a red line. He didn't cross it. What the mistake the president made is he should have drawn no red line. But it's honorable, it is honorable to know that if you draw a red line and you know death would be inflicted in, on, on, in, unscrupulously, that you won't go ahead and do it just because you, you don't go kill people just because you said there would have been consequences if somebody draws the line. That is simply inhumane. And I think, in as much as we have other problems with the president and drones and killing a lot of folks because of collateral damage when they're trying to take out some terrorists or whatever, in this case on, on Syria, he made the right choice. In the case with Donald Trump, he just sh- shot from the hip. But did he? Did he really shoot from the hip? Or is this all planned? Or is this all orchestrated? I tell you what, some, I, I'm not the one that goes or believes in conspiracy theories. I don't like it just like I don't like it on the right. I don't like it on the left. But if something smells as bad as this smells, it, one ought to consider, as Lawrence O'Donnell did last night, one 
has to consider what are the benefits of launching an attack that accomplished absolutely nothing other than saying, I would use a bomb. Think about that. The base was operational immediately after the attack. We ensured that we informed the people of the attack so that nobody supposedly would get hurt in the attack. We didn't target a whole lot of planes that would have destroyed an Air Force that supposedly landed these gases. So what did we accomplish with an attack? We heard the res a muted response from Russia, and you also got a semi-muted response from Syria. Think about that. Why weren't these guys jumping and screaming and talking about retaliation if this wasn't some sort of a, whether it is an organized orchestration or simply a, I know what you want me to do. I know what your reaction is supposed to be, and I will appease that. I know that you are in trouble right now. I know that you are in trouble right now with your people in America. Okay, do your thing. Do your thing. So think about that. Think about that. Anyway, what is our show going to be today? Our, the, the title of the show today is, is, is kind of interesting. I mean, I, I, called it a, I called it conspiracy theory. Is Trump Syria missile attack a Putin-Trump ruse? I don't know. I don't know, but I think it's good or there's much that can be inferred. Trump sent 29 Tomahawk cruise missiles to an air base in Syria, that and the base remained operational. Russia shows tremendous restraint in their response to the strike. The mainstream media now, once again, act as if this earns Trump a presidential medal. Republican and Democratic neocons alike praise Trump. Some even refer to him as Ronald Reagan-like. Wow. I support that characterization, though. I think Trump's actions were Ronald Reagan-like, but in a negative way, of course, because those who praise Ronald Reagan as being the best thing since apple pie, this great president that did great things. I am sorry. That's not the Ronald Reagan I know. That is not the Ronald Reagan that economic theory tells you he is. That is not a, 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 the Ronald Reagan that war theory tells you he is. Ronald Reagan was a puppet of the neocons. Ronald Reagan was a, like most presidents, again, I have to admit this, was a ward of the military-industrial complex. But worse, Ronald Reagan had no heart in the structures that he set up that, we've, that we are still living with. It is deeper than trickle-down economics, but what it has done is decimated the middle class, it has decimated the poor, and it has transfer, transferred the wealth of most or a large portions of Americans right up the ladder. So yes, if they want to call, the, uh, if they want to call Donald Trump the next Ronald Reagan, I'll give them that. I will give them yes. Donald Trump is the next Ronald Reagan. And let's look at the results uh, that we're still living with decades after Ronald Reagan. So again. I, I, I will, I will uh, cop to that. Yes, he is the next Ronald Reagan. But folks, I think you know what time it is, and it is an important time. It's time for the weekly blog post. Okay, here it goes. The weekly blog post I wrote a couple of days ago. And it's called, and, and actually I wrote this before uh, Lawrence O'Donnell came out with the piece that he did last night. I blogged that piece that, uh, that Lawrence O'Donnell did last night, placed it on Daily Coast. And it was actually, uh, I think it's, 
let me see if it's, it may still be the the most recommended on on Daily Coast right now. But it was all morning. It was the most recommended. It's still the most re- recommended article on Daily Coast. A little piece that I wrote on what um, Lawrence O'Donnell did. So check it out at DailyCoast.com. But I wrote this one here. I wrote this one here uh, a couple of days ago, right after the attack, I believe, the, the day after the attack. And it goes as follows. Uh, the title is, Once Again, Americans Played by Trump and Media Eating It Up. Here it goes. It is deja vu all over again. Another Muslim country, this time Syria. The president goes to war virtually unilaterally. The media sings Glory, glory, hallelujah. And politicians, Democrats and Republicans alike, praise the president, followed by a poll bump. Well, it is still too early to confirm the poll bump, but we'll see. I am almost certain he's going to get a pretty darn good bump in the poll for doing this. Again, Americans, we really have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. And those of you who are listening to this show right now, remember to share it. And not only share it, remember to talk about it. Remember to talk about the issues we discuss here because a lot of our friends and neighbors and families, they do need to hear this type of information. Why? Because the mainstream media, if you look at what, how the mainstream media is really going overboard about supporting what Trump has done and making it look at he, as if he has done something great, something presidential, something that is worth doing. They're so gullible. This is a media that is supposed to keep us informed. We can't blame our friends and families and neighbors <clears throat> when they believe what they hear on TV, you know, when they, when they vote for a Trump, when they vote against their own interests, when the media, the fourth estate that is supposed to be keeping us informed is so gullible, is so easily, easily turned it's easily, they, they so easily change a the narrative. They're played like a, they're simply played like a piano. They're played like an arc. Think about it. With this one move, Trump has spent 80-something million dollars, whatever it is, 59 Tomahawk missiles cost and, and the other expenses. All he needed to do is spend about $100 million of your taxpayer dollar to change the narrative for several days. Wow, the power of the executive, the power of the presidency, and we eat it all up. We shouldn't be eating this up. We should be screaming. We should be on, on, on Facebook. We should be calling radio stations. We should be writing op-eds. We should be doing all of these things at once, condemning what has occurred here. Because the reality is, whether it is a, whether it is a ruse or not, what he did, what he did, was wrong, it was illegal, it served no purpose, but continuing. The blog post? Bashar al-Assad, the president of Syria, is a very evil person. He kills his own people, but so does dictators or leaders throughout the world. Syria is, the news, is in the news every day. Friendly governments and not-so-friendly governments to the United States who do the same thing without mainstream media coverage are not. E.g., in an example... Russia, the Philippines, Turkey, Nigeria. All these countries have their sects and governments that really kill their people, really do bad things to people, but we never hear about it. It's never reported on TV. It's never reported hardly in the New York Times or elsewhere, but it's reported in foreign papers, and people around the world knows about it. So when we talk about we're defending these young kids who are just gassed, yes, I'm very sorry they were gassed. But the reactions that we had is not proportionate to the reactions we have to in other parts of the world. That is what we're talking about here. But anyhow, there is civil war. There's a civil war in Syria. There are many armed factions, including many that are anathema to American values, which should give us pause. In other words, we can go in there and fight, but who are we fighting for or who are we fighting with? There are so many factions, some aligned with us, Balah, some aligned with with uh, Al-Qaeda, some aligned with the, 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 the right of the government, some aligned with the left of the government. In the post that I blog of the week, I include a link to all the different factions in this war that is worth looking at. But anyhow, 
uh, why should why would any American president get involved in a situation in which the instability makes accurate information at best suspect? Why would they do that? Anyhow, as recent as a week ago, it was Trump's policy to leave Syria alone. CNN reported as follows. The Trump administration doubled down Thursday, on, and not this Thursday, the previous Thursday, uh, doubled down Thursday on prioritizing the fight against ISIS over ending the Syrian civil war and getting rid of its main protagonist, President Bashar al-Assad, a suggestion that was swiftly criticized by Hawks on the Hill. Indicating a possible shift in U.S. policy on the war in Syria from the days of the Obama administration, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson said on a trip to Turkey that the, quote, longer-term status of President Assad will be decided by the Syrian people. That was the policy of Trump, the policy of the United States government under Trump a week ago. It's none of our business. The Syrian people, they have to resolve these issues themselves. And in New York, U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley was even stronger about Trump administration's decision not to push, not to push for Assad's departure. Our priority is no longer to sit and focus on getting Assad out. That was the policy. Haley told Wire Reporters Thursday, according to AFP, that's not this Thursday, the Thursday before. Do we think he's a hindrance? Yes, she said. Are we going to sit there and focus on get him, getting him out? No. That was policy a week before the bombs. It is hard to believe that both Putin and Assad didn't get the message. It is harder to believe that Assad would then force President Trump's masters, the military-industrial complex, to force him into some kind of an act. We cannot and must not believe the reports our mainstream media is giving us. It is not logical. The only thing we know is that we do not know. Again, the only thing we know is that we do not know. We do, not, we do know that Trump is in bed with the Russians based on empirical evidence. We know, we do know that military-industrial complex, along with its puppets in both parties, are biased to using our vast military resources and keeping the industry flushed with our tax dollars, even as programs beneficial to us all are left wanting. So, ask yourself some very simple questions. Again, conspiracy, maybe, but ask yourself these questions. It is clear Assad was not a target of the Trump administration, granted. Why do something that would have low information Americans and neocons force the president to act? Again, why would, would they do something to force us to act? It makes no sense. They could continue doing what they were doing without doing something that would trigger Americans. Is it not likely that the chemical weapons were used by the, op- the opposition to force U.S. action? Would the opposition maybe even cloaked in the vestiges of the, the Syrian government try to poison their own people in order to, given that the United States decided that, oh, they're washing their hands off of doing anything in Syria, so we have to make it look like uh, Bashar al-Assad is doing something really bad to force the United States into action. You know, I mean, what else could the reason be by just saying, um, you know, if the United States is not going to go, why would, why would the Syrian government try to do something that they know would get us in, they know would get media coverage, or just as well? Could this be an Assad, and this is what I'm saying now, or just as well, could this be an Assad-Putin-Trump pact to force a U.S. action that gives a semblance of a rift, Trump and Putin, between Trump and Putin. In other words, I'm just putting questions out there. One, it could be that the opposition are the ones who unleashed this gas. That's a possibility. But it could also be 
that Assad unleashed this gas on the behest of Vladimir Putin. Why? Because, well, Donald Trump needs help. Everybody thinks he's a Russian stooge. If he goes ahead and attacks Russia's own stooge, then what happens? Ah, the media exactly starts to fall for what they're doing right now. Oh, we got to think about it now. If, if Trump is attacking Syria and Russia is in Syria, maybe, just maybe, he's not really a Russian stooge. And they bought it. The media bought it. And I don't, look, I'm going to tell you, the media got a whole lot. The media got a whole lot out of that. Rather, Trump got a whole lot out of this. It costed him over $80 million, over $100 million likely to get it, but he got it in the short term. An expensive U.S. attack that destroyed nothing. An expensive U.S. attack that destroyed nothing of substantial value. Runways, air defense, etc. is probative, folk. It is clear that Trump likely established communication back channels with Putin. We know that was done. But again, conspiracy theory could be. Reality could be. Will we ever know? Maybe. But I tell you what, it smells pretty damn stink. I think it smells pretty darn foul. Anyhow, establishment Democrats and establishment Republicans agree on very little. The one thing they always seem to agree on is stuffing the coffers of the military-industrial complex. And the media, just like the run-up to Iraq, are simply singing the tune of the warmongering plutocrats without doing any logical examination of what is likely occurring. Let me repeat that. The media, just like the run-up to Iraq, are simply singing the tune of the warmongering plutocrats without doing any logical examination of what is likely occurring. Folks, I have no, and I, you know, I don't, I, I just want folks to expand their thought process. And I'm, you know, I'm straight whenever I, I, I tell stories, whenever I'm talking about issues, I try to stay with facts. This one here, I cannot. Why? Because we don't know the structure here. Uh, we, we are factless. We have a, an administration that we know is, is a, a lying administration. We have a CIA and an FBI who are bound by certain rules of engagement and certain rules on which they can say and not say. We have within the FBI folks that we know are partial to Donald Trump. And we know we have neocons who would do just about anything to go to war. If you ever doubt why Lindsey Graham decided to call Donald Trump the next Ronald Reagan, or not the next Ronald Reagan, but Ronald Reagan-like, it is because he wanted to appease Donald Trump. Donald Trump showed that he would use weapons. Lindsey Graham and all the neocons thought that because he ran as a populist nationalist, that he wouldn't want to engage in other countries and engage the United States military elsewhere other than just building it up. Well, Donald Trump gave them a gift. He gave the neocons a gift. Yes, I will use the missile. Yes, I will use the tomahawks. Yes, I will send people to war. Behind the scenes, things that we don't really read a lot in the paper, he's been sending more troops to Iraq. So, it seems like he's already becoming or getting ready to be grasped by the military-industrial complex. He's not saying it with a whole lot of pizzazz. In fact, in his weekly broadcast, he didn't even mention Syria today. Think about that. He just had one of his major victories by blowing up something in Syria, and he didn't mention it in his weekly address. He didn't mention about these things. Folks, think about it. We don't have a lot of facts to go on right now. We don't. I'm sorry about that. I'm generally a factful person. But what I'm asking folks to do is to infer. And your inference could be wrong. My inference could be wrong. We must infer so that we are not just used 
by Trump, the media, etc. So again, the reason I gave it the title of the show today, Conspiracy Theory, maybe, but maybe not. But we have, in a, in a time when we don't have facts, and in a time where people are sent to die, in a time where we're blowing things up, we have to look at all the different avenues and possibilities where facts are not quite available. Anyhow, repeat, an establishment Democrats and establishment Republicans agree on very little. The one thing they always seem to agree on is stuffing the coffers of the military industrial complex and the media, just like the run up to Iraq, or simply singing the tune of the warmongering plutocrats without doing any logical examination of what is likely occurring. Folks, Every Trump voter was deceived. Let me be fair here. The action would not have been a shock for those who voted for, or rather, this action, meaning the attack on Syria, would not have been a shock for those who voted for Hillary Clinton. And by the way, though, I don't even think they would have used the gas if Hillary Clinton was president. Everyone knows she is a hawk, but one with a heart to support the poor and middle class. She would have gotten the same flaming pushback if and when she would have launched an attack like this. But those who voted, those who voted for Trump, whether they liked him or not, did so because they wanted a president who they thought would fix their problems before creating more international problems that forced him to take his eye off of the ball. Folks, to date, the plutocratic military industrial complex driven presidency reigns the, we are continuing with our plutocratic presidency and there, there are times when uh, i'm coming to you john on on the phone in a little bit uh there are times when many folks have said why didn't obama do x why did obama do z why did obama send in drones and all these other issues and one of the things that I told people all of the times is we have to be careful in the manner in which we judge, because there is something known as the president, and there is something known as the presidency. And the presidency has a lot more gravity, a lot more gravitas than the president, uh, than the president proper. What that means is there's just so much, there's just so much the president can do, and there's just so much that the president cannot do. There's just so much that the military-industrial complex, along with the, the, the plutocracy and the pol- political-driven, the folks driven, the politicians driven, driven by the plutocracy, can do. And that is where you come in. Um, they can only, there's a hell of a lot more of us than there are of the plutocracy, than there are of the military-industrial complex. And even those folks in the military themselves, even those people in, uh, Rebecca, who who should we push to look into this? We are all looking into it, I tell you, that we need to push. Rachel, I'm pretty sure, is going to be doing some work in there. And there are two investigative journalists from both Newsweek and I think it's the, um, the Washington Post that will be that I guarantee you they're doing some digging right now. Um, but this is where we as humans and average American citizens come in. We have to do uh, our job. We have to do our job by putting these messages out. Even this video, when I, one of the things I try to be all of the time is factual, and if not factual because I don't have the information to be fact-based is to let you know that I'm going off of inferences and conjecture and with the expectation that if you put it out there and folks do some research based on calculated inferences, not just pulling stuff out of the air, but looking at how things are going and then being able to refute or otherwise. I mean, that's what's done in a court of law, right? I mean, they always try to look for exactly what could cause some particular type of behavior to cause a, or for someone to effect some sort of a crime. In the time of Trump, where we don't have control of the executive, and when we have no control of the legislative body, where they act at will, 
they act to cover, we are going to have to do certain things by inferring, by doing what we call reductio al absurdum. In other words, keep reducing different aspects of things until nothing else makes sense, reductio al absurdum. You get rid of all the absurd and then you can come to a logical conclusion. Folks, the telephone number is uh, six to, uh, I forgot my number. Let me get my number for you. The telephone number is 646-929-2495. Again, that number is 646-929-2495. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. And right now, I think I have uh, our good friend, friend of the show, Senor John. Come on in, John. Good afternoon, Igberto. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, sir. Talk to me. All right. Uh, to me, the biggest issue right now is uh, what's Trump going to do from now on? Because, okay. you know, uh, uh, he he really – I mean, you're, you're right in the fact that, you know, he really didn't do – a Anything. lot of damage. I, I know that nine people did die, supposedly, according to the Syrian government, and uh, there were four military people, according to the Russians. Now, whether you can believe them or not is another question. Right. But, you know, the real question is, you know, is he going to continue this? And, or is he going to, I mean, because essentially Assad is not stopping anything. He's actually having these, uh, you know, people are taking off from the same air- airport. And he's continuing his bombing. So I I don't see, you know, I don't see anybody. I don't see the Russians stopping. I don't see uh, Assad stopping. So, you know, how is Trump going to, is he just going to, is this going to be a one-off? Or is he going to really, you know, start bombing uh, more and try to, I mean, I I think it would be absolutely insane to to try to do a regime change. Let me tell you what's interesting. He has no interest in regime change, right? And not only that, I look, like I said, uh, is there proof this reeks of wag the dog? <clears throat> You're correct about that, Timothy Kurtz. And that's why I think the, the video that I have has the, the thing of Lawrence O'Donnell saying wag the dog. But here's the, the, the thing. Um, I think Trump had a huge success this week. And I, when I say a huge success, I can tell you how huge it was. Because what he showed is that he has the ability to change the narrative more so than his, with, his twi- with his Twitter account, all right? Yes, his Twitter account, we laugh at it, and even the media kind of laugh at it now, but it still takes up some of the news cycle, but it's taken with a grain of salt. When he spent that $100 million or so to send those 59 missiles into Syria, his payback was so much larger. I mean, he got praises from Democrats and Republicans. He got praises. He, he was compared to Donald Trump. I mean, not Donald. He was compared to Ronald Reagan. He was, uh, it was said that, you know, he had the heart of Ronald Reagan now, and he's a thinking man. He was called intelligent for once. Um, he was told that, you know, he has a vision. He did all he did was sent missiles that some hit their targets, some didn't, and the targets that were chosen did very little damage. And for that, he became the president like Van Jones erroneously told him a few months ago. And again now, he became the president. He did something great. Imagine, helping people don't make you presidential. Dropping bombs apparently makes you quite presidential. So, I mean, um, Timothy says, Assad's history of dabbling in chemical weapons has allowed himself to be set up as a stooge or a patsy for the latest alleged atrocity. That is prescient, Timothy. You are absolutely right, Timothy. And that is my fear. Because he has a proclivity for using chemical weapons, that is Assad. Anybody who wants Assad to be attacked simply needs to do the same. But it's not only everybody. It's also given the cover to Trump. Because like I said, there are two... Re- there, I think there's a, still a possibility that Assad dropped the, the, the chemical weapons. But I think it could also be at the behest of Russia. 
because they know the only way that Trump could get involved in uh, Syria after the week before saying he would not would be to do something dramatic. And there are some benefits in going after Syria, tacitly at least, even if, even if not with a whole lot of effort, because it gives Trump the plausible deniability of being a Russian stooge. I mean, it was perfect. And it, it's funny, after I wrote this, I think, when was the attack? I think on Wednesday. I think I wrote this on Thursday or whatever, the day, the, the day after the attack. And Lawrence O'Donnell came out with a great piece. It's, and I, I, I blogged it on Daily Coast. It's number one on Daily Coast right now. And one of the interesting things about it is some of the people that are commenting on Daily Coast are complaining about it being conspiracy theories. Lawrence O'Donnell didn't say that this is exactly what happened. He said that because of who we have as a president today, somebody that cannot be trusted, somebody whose definition of the truth is a lie, it was worth examining the plausible alternatives to what really occurred, as long as those of us who are fact-based let it be known that we don't have facts because we can't get facts. So what we do is we create different possibilities and then see if these possibilities line up. It's like how some people are, are some uh, diseases are fought. We don't know how the disease is formed. We don't know how the chemical reaction to the disease is. But we remember our grandmother said that if you drank chicken soup, it helped the cold. So we know that is a reality. Now we try to find the mechanics. We know Trump is a liar. Now we try to find if every action that he takes is based on a lie or a truth. John. Well, I mean, the the things that I that I have a, a little bit of a hard time with is from your theory uh, is that I mean, a is it's you know the supposedly the gas. Uh, this has been confirmed by people who were sent to Turkey who are being treated. That right. this was a sarin gas attack as opposed to that. these yes. chlor- chlorine gas attacks. And and to be you know, there have been chlorine gas attacks recently. I mean, in the last months of Obama's uh, when he was still in office in Syria, and so right. you know the chlorine gas attacks uh, those those could plausibly be done by the rebels because it, it's not as hard to do. But a sarin gas attack, you know, I think that that is much harder to do. And if you look at, you know, uh, when when Assad was doing the gas attacks in 2013, uh you know, first there was a lot of denial, and then there there was you know basically the Russians and the Syrians uh, got together, and supposedly they you know eliminated all of these weapons, and there have been there really hasn't been any sarin gas attacks since then, but there has been chlorine attacks, right. which actually kill very limited number of people right. towards a toward like a but sarin I, I gas attack. John, I want to ask you a question because help me out here. Um, first of all, I gave an option as well where I said there would be a reason for, uh, for, for uh, Putin to suggest to Assad to use the poison gas, right? Uh, my theory, I mean, I, I had two theories, really. One theory is that it was, in fact, done by Assad. And the second theory is that it was done by uh, folks, uh, the, the opposition, to force the America in. Either way, the idea was to force the Americans in. My, my theory on the Assad side is that um, that needed help. There is re- we are, I think we're going to find out that there is really a relationship between Trump and Putin. And it's, I think it runs quite a bit deep when we look at some of the reports by some of our Newsweek guys who found the, the, the reports between uh, Trump and the uh, oligarchs out there in Russia and we all know that the biggest oligarch in Russia is Putin. But I think what we're going to find out is that there, there, is some, there is some congeniality there between Trump and Putin or Trump and the Russian people, Russian government. My theory is that we know Trump needs help out here because Trump cannot help Russia if it is believed 
that he's a Russian stooge. But if he fights with Russia, uh, Tillerson can go to Russia eventually over time and get those releases open, the, the, natu- the gas and oil releases uh, that he has out there, opened up without it looking to be some sort of pro, 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 quid pro quo, quid pro pro, God, I'm getting tongue tied. So that is my fear. What do you think about that? I mean, it's possible. I mean, anything's possible, but I mean, I, I think what, what possibly happened, and I'm not saying this is a hundred percent for sure. Yeah, we're all speculating here. Yeah. Right. Right. But I mean, I, I think it's, I think that the the obvious thing to me is is actually what happened, which was they received a message saying, you know, four or five days ago, uh, what what was it, uh, uh, you know, the UN ambassador, Nikki Haley, right, and Tillerson both said the Syrian people will decide that. And I think that 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 was a green light saying, you know, he doesn't really care about this. He's tweeted about all this stuff. And and the other, you know, I I guess, you know, you're you're actually putting uh, emphasis that that this is a planned out strategy, that this is, you know, Trump is is doing something that, that actually requires thought. And, you know, I guess I'm I'm kind of skeptical about this because I just don't think he's that He's that intelligent. I don't think he can actually no. do that. I mean, I, I think that he is he uh, uh, you know he actually when, when he sent that message, I think that they said, okay, we can we can actually do this, and he's not going to do anything. And I think that they were actually surprised because he 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 said this the whole time. And look at the way he's talked about uh, the children, the children, the children. Well, I mean, look at all these refugee children that he hasn't even that he doesn't care about at all. And so. So you know, I mean, you know, the guy is a walking contradiction. He's constantly, <laughs> you know, changing his mind about everything. And a so, and I love that. So I mean, I just, I just don't, I just don't know if, if he actually, the Russians, uh, you know, actually planned any of this out. I just think that they were surprised by his by his reaction and one one thing that kind of uh you know goes to this theory is that now they're not they're not communicating you know they both have they both have their air force there and you know to avoid planes being you know colliding in the air uh, right. They had this. They had this agreement to where, to where basically they were communicating, doing their own little, uh, you know, air, the air, air traffic control amongst each right. other. Okay, and now that's gone. And so there's, you know, there's the 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 chance that you know two planes could collide with each other, you know, and, and which well, is know, pretty I, stupid. They said that's gone. I you see. I, if, if going back into our conspiracy theory here, I'm going to tell you, I think, I, I, I don't think the orchestration began with the, the, with the uh, gas. I'm a little bit, I am a little bit further than that. I think the orchestration began when he said, uh, sent his people to say that we are not going to take any issues with uh, Syria. I think that's where it actually began. Uh, and and I think you you believe that as well for a, a different reason, but I think that's what you believe as well. I think it began when they came straight out and said, "Well, we don't we we are not going to do anything about Syria." But even above that, it makes no sense. It, while Trump is dumb, Assad isn't, Putin isn't, and I think unless I think they knew, you know, I mean, they don't have to use gas. They can do what they've been doing, bombing the place since the powder i mean it's it, that's been killing more people than the gas anyway and all the gas does is it brings international attention and i don't think that they want international attention i think they want to wipe out their position and they need to they need to wipe out their position because if if they lose the the the, the they're dead right because their sect of their particular sector, the minority in the country, if I recall correctly, isn't that the case? Yeah, the Alawites, right. That's right. Right. 
So, you know, they, they, they are going to be wiped out. And I think that is their biggest friend. In fact, I think why, that's why they're fighting so hard. Why they're willing to do all these atrocities because they know that reality, they can't have this minority government, this monarchy continuing to run the country as it does right now. And I think they know that in my humble opinion, that is of course, but, um, so I, you know, I mean, and, and again, like we're saying here, John, we're, and folks, this, remember, this is a call-in show. You can give us a call at 646, uh, let's see, 646-929-2495. Again, that is 646-929-2495 if you'd like to have your piece. Uh, you know, we're pretty nice around here, and I'm pretty sure John would love to hear your point of view as well. So, yes, folks, I, I, I am not sure. I am, to put it bluntly, um, I just think that I am lost on this particular issue. That is the reason uh, when, when I think it through, it makes no sense. Uh, what makes sense to me are one of these two, if you will, conspiracy theories that, that, that I've wrote up about, part of which also um, Senor uh, Lawrence O'Donnell did as well. I think absent anything else, you know, we really have to look at this seriously. Now, Trump, have, you, have you seen the, the daily poll, I mean, the, um, the running poll lately on Trump, whether it has taken a, gotten a bump yet? No, it taken... really hasn't. I mean, he's, he's pretty much, he's right at 40 today. And so, I mean, it really hasn't. I mean, yeah, there have been some polls where it's, it's gone, I mean, it's gone up maybe a point or two, but I mean, it hasn't really changed that much. Okay, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just want to comment also. Uh, I just agree with you on the idea that the media. I mean, I know I disagree with you on the media sometimes, but I mean, I do agree with you on the media and their play, the, the way it's so incredibly, you know, pro bombing and pro uh, war, you know, and it. I just. I mean, it was really sad, you know, I guess on Thursday when they started talking about it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with actually, I guess, talking about this just to get out information. But right. just the, the angle that it was put out. And then when I was watching Chris Hage, uh, you know, Sam Cedar was on, and basically you had uh, three or four people, you know, then when they had their kind of Brady Bunch boxes, you know, right. which they're doing more. They and he was. <laughs> right, and he was the only one that was actually saying, you know, this is this is ridiculous. You know, why are we doing this? There's no point in doing this. And you know, you had Jennifer Rubin, and you had this other guy from the think tank, uh, Brookings, and you had uh, McFall. And I'm also surprised that all of the Obama people, you know, who are in the foreign policy, who came out and were were basically saying this is a good thing, you know. And so th- it you know just makes me. John, hold your thought because I wanted you, you. You said something important. Most of the Obama administration people came out in support. It just shows you the pressure that President Obama. You remember earlier I spoke about the difference between the president and the presidency. It shows you the president, the, the, the pressure that President Obama was likely under every single time something occurred to do something militarily, and the fact that that he didn't many times and the fact that he did with the drone wars etc proves that uh he fought the presidency that president obama at some time fought the presidency pretty hard because the presidency is as you just stated there constantly trying to say let us engage let us use our military power go ahead john yeah, because I mean it's also disappointing from the Democratic Party. I mean, you not only had, you know, Hillary Clinton, you had, you know, Kerry come out, you had Schumer come out, and you had all of, I mean, I was just like seeing all these people, you know, Tim Kaine and all these other congressmen. I'm and you know, it's like they have this idea just like, you know, we're this great superpower and if things go wrong in the world, we can just set people right. And I'm just like, you know, come right. on, didn't we learn anything from Iraq? Didn't we learn anything? All of these, you know, whatever, you know, six 6,000 uh, Americans troops died. And then we had, you know, all the hundreds of thousands of Iraqis that died. And, you know, I mean, I, and you said it well at the beginning of the program, you know, I'm sympathetic to the people of, of, of Syria also, 
You know, I mean, I want to see them, you know, try to live in peace. And if that takes, you know, breaking the country up into, you know, five different parts yeah. and to where they live in peace, that's fine. You know, but I mean, let's let's live in peace and, you know, let's let's try to stop the war. You know, let's try to stop the violence. Let's, you know, we're, we're we've evolved into more of an intelligent uh, species to where we shouldn't, uh, you know, be fighting all the time. That's not the way to solve our problems. You know, and you're so, so right. You're so right, John. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead, sir. No, but but, you know, it just seems like, you know, the, 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 a lot of Democrats you know, don't seem to realize that. They're just like, oh, we've got this great military, and this is the way we're solving our problems. No, we don't do that. I mean, you know, I, I just it's just kind of sad for me because, you know, I just thought that there would be more politicians that I, you know, that I mean, I'm not saying I had great respect for, but, I mean, you know, I do agree with them on a lot of points. But on foreign policy, they seem to be, in the wrong area, and they're not listening to the base because I think a lot of base Democrats, you know, who are against the war in Iraq, are also against this intervention. Because I mean, what what is the point of it? I mean, I mean, again, I, I'd love to see the the war in Syria end, but I mean, it's hard to do that when you have you know ten different factions fighting each other. You've got the Russians there, you got the Iranians there, and you got you know. Uh, a, a leader who is whose father was a dictator. He's a dictator, and it's just like how how do we come to a solution for this? I mean, it's it's, it's, it's just an extremely difficult situation. John, you're so right, and you know, and there are a lot of times I remember you, you noticed that I hit up the Democratic Party in all these blogs as well because uh, what what we have is a Democratic establishment, not the party people outside of the establishment that have just be. A, be become themselves either Republican light or neocon light. And it is something that we have to fight. You know, I, I ironically found myself in support of Rand, uh, Rand Paul when he came out and talked about, no, you can't do this. Here is the deal. Here is the deal. Those of us that are progressive, those of us that are progressive, it is time for us to do the work on the grassroots level. And by the way, as soon as I get off this show today, that's where I'm heading to. I'm heading to Moody Park here in Houston. We're having a, 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 um, a Obamacare rally, not a, a healthcare rally, where we are going to be pushing for Medicare for all and some other issues, but in the short term to modify Obamacare to support more people, to, to help more people. So we have a huge rally. Actually, it's happening all over the country, but we have one here in Houston at Moody Park today at one o'clock. I guess I'll be an hour late to the rally, but I'll be there. And then tonight... We're going to Cleveland, Texas, where we'll be confronting Dan Patrick and other big honchos in, Texas, in the Texas Republican Party who are having their Reagan dinner. So we'll be there to tell those people who are attending the Reagan dinner that we want them to continue to support town halls, continue to support Obamacare, and to also listen to their people. And for those here in Texas, we're warning them that Texas is about to flip because of the... the because of how evil these folks have actually become. And I don't use that word lightly. Our Republican establishment in Texas, and uh, there, there are exceptions. There are some good Republicans here in Texas, but they have become pretty darn evil. They have lost their sense of morality. And in the process, they have been killing people with policy. And there's, we had a big victory in, uh, in Texas this week when, uh, vouchers and uh, voucherization of schools and transferring monies to private schools failed and not only failed but failed miserably so people are starting to listen and these people and, and these politicians are having to listen to the people because you know what even republicans now are jumping on the progressive bandwagon locally here we have a, a school board election and I think they're going to be shocked in the humble independent school district. My hunch is that they're going to be shocked when they see the results of this election. Because a lot of people are starting to see that they've been hoodwinked by the Republican Party specifically and some of the establishment Democratic Party 
who are really nothing but wards of the plutocracy. When I say wards of the plutocracy, those people who are supporting vouchers, why are they supporting vouchers? Because they want to turn every student into a commodity to make money for a few. They want the dollars from the state, your taxpayer dollars, to go into the, to the coffers of a few. And guess who pays for that? You do. How do you pay for that? Lower wages for teachers. Uh, profit motives, profit dollars going into the pockets of a few. So that the $8,000 or however thousand dollars that go to each student when having to go to an independent entity, it doesn't, the, the economy of scales are quite different. So Americans both for war and all these other issues are starting to understand the reality that they've been hoodwinked by a political class, a class that is very, very detached from the process very detached from the people they represent. But you are starting to do the job. These rallies that we are having are not just, these rallies are to show awareness. A lot of people say rallies don't work. Hey, you're right. Rallies in and of themselves do not work. What rallies do is they give, they, they, they give notoriety to a particular issue. They, they let people know that they have alliances. They, know, they let people know that they're not alone. When, when you're sitting down at home, pulling your hair out in the, in the case of my head, my ball head, pulling my scalp out, you know that you're not alone. You know that there are other people that think like you. That's what the rallies do. And after the rallies, what we do is we engage the folks and the folks of those folks who then engage the politician. The singular, the, the singular reason, the singular reason Obamacare did didn't get killed three weeks ago. The singular reason was indivisible all throughout the country, our revolution all around the country, and some would say because the Heritage Foundation didn't support it. But I tell you what, the Heritage Foundation, with respect to Paul Rand and those guys, don't hold much sway as they used to in the past. They hold more sway with the Freedom Caucus, which is all but 40 or so folks. So it is you, the individual citizen out there who get involved. Even though there are Republicans that are in there wanting to do otherwise, they still, number one, feel they need to get elected because not all of them are going to get that contract with the private industry that's going to send them back to, 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 uh, to D.C. to lobby because many of them don't have the aptitude to be lobbyists. And, you know, uh, these Companies aren't going to want dead weight on their backs. So they're still going to be listening to their Congress people. And let me tell you, folks, don't be fooled. The House is in play. The Senate is in play. And why are they in play? Because for once, for once, Americans are able to see over the, I don't, I don't recall when we had the last all-Republican government, but they are, are able to see what an all-Republican government looks like, what it's intent on doing, and in what they're seeing, they know now, they know now that the ones who pay the price of their intransigence, the one who pays the price of their evil, the ones who pay the price of their inability to govern, those... John, give me a quick closer. All right, uh... Yeah, excellent show. I enjoyed it. Uh, just, I, as far as the last time they were in power, it was 2005 and 2006, and they right. had a lot of problems back then. Of course, you know they didn't have the they changed the they didn't have the filib. I mean, uh, they didn't have 60 votes to pass anything uh, in the Senate, so so they didn't have that. But uh, you know, the it's just the idea that their agenda is really not what the American public wants. And they're very right. good – I've said this before – they're very good at, at negative uh, politicizing to where they put down people and they can change people's minds by, by negative means, by name-calling and kind of playing at, at people's fears. But, I mean, when it actually comes to, to promoting their agenda, the people reject it. And so Thank that's good much. to see that yeah, – that's good to see, and you're right, indivisible has been great. So in, thank you very so much, John. There. I'm going to an indivisible rally right now. Folks, thank you so kindly for spending this time with me at Politics Done Right. But please, 
we have a lot more to do. Share these videos, share the blogs that you see that comes out on this channel, on and the uh, Politics Done Right with a channel. It is important that we get our message out, but it's also important that we grow the base and make sure we get these people out of office. This is Politics Done Right with Egberto Willis. You have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your weekend. Thank you so kindly for having been here.